You're listening to episode 236 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season four of TNT's The Librarians on this week where the 2018 Winter Olympics begin... I guess technically Thursday or Friday. I don't know. You know, actually, the events start tomorrow, I think. Um, yeah, they start before the ceremony, the opening ceremonies. So yeah, I'm not sure like which some... day is which. So, Yeah, <laughs> today's Tuesday. We know that. But, uh, right. yeah, some figure skating is on early, which, you know, for, every four years, I kind of dig watching the figure skating. Um. Every four years, I like sitting in the corner and making fun of figure skating as my wife gets mad at me. And people that watch figure skating. <laughs> right. So, okay. I just, I, point, but point, I, point I like the Winter Olympics. Obviously, the hockey is my absolute favorite winter, uh, Olympic sport, summer, winter, anything. Um, yeah, the skiing is, is great. The speed skating is awesome. Uh, cur- I, like, I like watching curling even. Oh, yeah. No, I I agree with you. Winter Olympics is is far and away my favorite of the two. Um, So, you know, we'll see. A lot of our shows have gone into a two-week hibernation, and that's to be expected with the Olympics. So, yeah, it's it's good. Gives us a break from a few things. Um, Now, we talked about Altered Carbon was going to drop on Netflix, and, and we're recording on a Tuesday, so it's been out about four days and you're seven episodes in. I'm four episodes in. Michael's binge the whole thing, written reviews on Den of Geek. I'm loving it. It sounds like you are too. Oh, yeah. is is awesome. Um, I've only got three left, though, so it's kind of like, you know, that that little bit of, of sad, the bittersweet. You know, like I, I love watching it, but I know these are going to be the last. I don't know if it's going to be a uh, – you know, a series or is this, you know, I know I'm sounding like ignorant here, but, um, yeah, I'm just well, wondering I don't if, know. If, if there will be a season two. I know it's based on a novel, but you know, like American gods, they, you know, they got maybe like a quarter of the way through the novel in the, the first season. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I did see some chatter on, I'm not sure if it was our Facebook group or the Sandbox, but talking a little bit about it, and it sounded like some of the, the posters had, had read the novel, so they're probably better prepared to answer that than I. But but even if they got through the whole novel, as we all know, that if it's successful and you feel like there's more story to tell, and it certainly helps if you can get the, the author of the book involved, um, so... You know, we'll right. see. I, you know, I, I haven't gotten to episode ten yet, so oh, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll it's, we'll it's, talk uh, again next time. It's great. It's got you know, almost every scientific sci- scientific <laughs> sci fi element that you could pretty much want. You know, it's got you know cyberpunk. It's got uh, galactic warfare, time travel, kind of. It's got uh, you know. Uh, exploring the mind and levels of consciousness it's it's got it all man it's great sex violence you left okay there you go i was gonna say you left out the big two but uh yeah yeah, it is definitely not for the faint of heart and not not for young children for sure but joel kinnaman is just absolutely phenomenal in the lead role and you know i i know him from the killing which is uh 
I don't want to say it's an uh, underappreciated series, but, um, you know, a lot of people don't know about it. It's a police procedural. He plays a a, a really kind of damaged detective who, who's just trying to, you know, keep himself together. But but he's, you know, very good at what he does as a detective. But, uh, yeah, so we'll talk next week. You'll be finished. Right. I likely will be finished. Um, right. Well, there's two, also that, that guy, he was also in um, – House of Cards, too. He was really good in, in that as well. Um, but also, which, Dave, you, you have to get caught up on Librarians, Ben. You, you guys, there, there's, some, there's some heavy stuff going down on that show. Okay. I, well, I may have a chance now that that's, you know, I'm, I've got my last review for Nightfall that, that uh, is due tomorrow. So then I'm done with Vikings, done with Nightfall. Uh, I've still got Lucifer going, but Lucifer's gone into a two-week hibernation because of the Olympics. So I, I'm going to have some more free time. So all right, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. So all right. Well, if you are watching Altered Carbon, watching anything out there, love to hear from you. Shoot us an email: sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail dot com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail if you want. Record your own audio clip if you'd like. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch and encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. And, you know, just real quickly, want to thank our patrons, Dan LaRock, Kenneth Pricer, Mike Jacobs, Fred from the Netherlands. Thanks, guys. It really helps out a lot. So um, this episode of The Librarians, The Librarians and the Bleeding Crown, episode 405, uh, it might be my favorite of the season so far. Really? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Wow. Uh, I'm, um, okay. I'm not going to say I didn't like it, but it's without a doubt the least favorite of mine so far this season. Wow, okay. All right, well, we'll get into that in a second. Um, this one's written by Tom McRae, who wrote uh, episode 304, Librarians and the Self-Fulfilling Prophecy. Directed by Mark Roskin, this is his 11th episode. This aired December 27th, 2017. And in terms of viewership, this was the highest rated episode of the season in terms of, you know, as I said, in terms of viewership. So I don't know how the season finale is going to do. But, uh, and then also before we go on, I want to make a correction because I'm pretty sure it was me that said it, but you probably agreed with me. Because I think we stated that the library is now tethered to Eve and Flynn, but no. did we I say don't that? believe that's well. You, I did. I don't I know. Think. You, maybe you did. I don't know why I would have said that. And, and then you didn't correct me because right, in, true. In, oh, in, so you pull that, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in four hundred four, the silver screen. One of the three, I forget which one, says that Eve and Flynn missed the tethering ceremony rehearsal. So they still haven't gotten through the rehearsal, let alone the actual ceremony yet. So I guess what that tells us at this point is that the library is still at risk. Right. So, so therefore the world is at risk, right? Exactly. So, all right. Well, we had a couple of guest stars, one that I recognized, one that I didn't, but he was just so excellent. And that's Howard Charles who plays Ambrose Gethick. And I've never really seen him in anything. It looks like he's a British actor. He He's appeared in a series called The Musketeers on BBC. But outside of that, I didn't know him. But Samuel Rukin, who plays Darrington Dare, you know him from? Uh, from Turn, Washington Spies. 
Okay, which is another show I've got to get to at yeah. some point because I love that kind of thing. Yeah, I, you know, I really liked it. Um, I stopped after two seasons, not because the show, like, it's just, it was kind of this, it's not you, it's me type of thing. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, what was it, maybe a year or two ago, I just started purging some of the shows I was watching, some of the ones that I wasn't quite as passionate about just because I felt like I was just spending too much time watching TV, <laughs> simply put. Uh, How'd so, that work out for you? Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm managing a little bit better. It's uh, it gets difficult with Netflix uh, coming up with so many good shows all the time, but um, so so yeah, it was a good show. He plays this like really like super bad bad guy, which um, you know when I first saw this episode, I'm like I know I've seen that guy before, but you know like the character Darrington Dare is so far from the character that he played on on Turn, like it's not even. Uh, so I think that's part of why I didn't really recognize him because it's just completely different person than than uh, the character he does on on turn cool well i know him from marvel's agents of shield which i know you're not caught up on he plays the brother of Cassius falnak so i've certainly seen him in another really evil centric role so but he was great at that as you said it's a totally different character in, in this and, and he's really got that 19th century feel down yeah and uh you just have to love that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that was um, uh, the the criticisms I have of this episode. His portrayal of Darrington Dare is absolutely not one of them. He was great, and and his interaction with uh, Flynn was was just that was really great. That was funny. Well, and and even just the very end of the episode, his interaction through the note that he leaves him. You know, we'll get to that in a few minutes, but. Yeah, I, uh, well, maybe I'll be able to convince you that it was better than you thought, but maybe not. Okay. All right, so I've, I've seen this one three times now, so uh, I might I, I feel like I'm pretty set in my opinion. But you know, I'm not uh, it, it, the the criticism I have. I will try to provide clear reasons why I feel this way. But I certainly understand. It appears the numbers bear it out that it sounds like I'm definitely in the minority on this, and and I can accept that. All right. Well, the premise of the show, the town's residents turn old overnight and the librarians come in to investigate. So it's a pretty simple, pretty straightforward uh, investigation that's underway. And what I find interesting is that it's the lack of technology that saves that one family from turning old because they've had their electricity shut off. Right. And it, of course, brings immediately to mind Battlestar Galactica. And the reason that Galactica survived is because it was basically an older vessel and it was not online, right? you know, when the Cylon attack occurs. So that's really what, you know, survives. And and whether that was a conscious nod to BSG, I I don't know. I mean, we we do know, and, and, you know, I I know this from Christian Kane saying, is that, that Dean Devlin wanted to give the fans basically all the things that he knows the fans want. And I love nods to other shows. I love, sure. say, say if it's a nod to uh, Jake Stone's character in Leverage or, or Christian Kane's character right. in Leverage. Um, I love that kind of stuff. And, and I get that, you know, they don't want to go too far. But obviously we've got another nod to a pretty big movie franchise, right? 
Star Wars, the lightsaber duel. Oh, right, the lightsaber. Right, I'm like, yes, yeah, absolutely, and that that is, yeah, without a doubt, obviously, um, you know, that's a, a huge nod to, and it's funny because, you know, um, Gethics, you know, everything about his his whole thing is very steampunk, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden he pulls out a steampunk lightsaber, and that's just like. Man, nerds all over the world just their brains flew out of their heads. Well, yeah, happened. and they had the, they had the sound effect as well. Sure, that, sure that we, that we hear in Star Wars. So yeah, that that was just brilliant. I love that. George Lucas was on the phone with his lawyer before <laughs> before the end of the episode. God, you know what? And and I, I hope I hope that's not the case, but it will not surprise me. But uh, or or I guess that would be Disney, right? Not Lucas anymore. Right, right. Luke is just like, what? I don't well, care. <laughs> well, hopefully Disney owns TNT. I, I don't know. All right. I, I know um, this is a, a side uh, of a distractor here, but did you see the trailer for the Han Solo movie during the Super I Bowl? I didn't, but I saw a headline that, that said it was kind of amazing. So I'm going to have Oh, to my God. Oh, it was incredible. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Like, I, I mean, I know it's coming out. Memorial Day, but just it said Lucasfilm, and then all of a sudden I was just like, oh, "What?" So, well, keep in uh, mind, I, I only saw Rogue One like six months ago. So, yeah, but you were watching the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Well, what were you, what were you doing you know doing what? The commercials? I fast forwarded through the commercials. Believe it or not, I what? I know. I know. Wow, Dave, that's that's downright un-American, man. I know. You're looking. Joseph yeah, McCarthy's like dead. So no, the Patriots right. losing was nothing has united this country more <laughs> than than the uh, the uh, almost universal desire to see the Patriots lose that game. Yeah. Now, I know you're not teaching any of those classes anymore, but if you were still working with Katie, I'm sure she had her Eagles jersey on Monday and Tuesday. So. Yep. Yeah. All, ah. all the all the Eagles fans or pseudo fans have, uh, you know, been sporting green the last couple of days that's okay yeah, more power to so. it. congratulations philadelphia you got a heck of a city and your football team finally won the super bowl well done yep so all right well yeah a couple themes come out of this and, and certainly one is the whole idea of old age and and i really loved cassandra asking stone and jones about how they think they would handle old age because it's something that she thinks about for herself because as she says i never really thought i would get old because of the brain grape right and well it's it's something it seems like it's actually she just really thought of it recently because hey, she's like i never thought i'd have to think about being old that was never a thing with me i just assumed or knew uh that i was going to be dead before i you know got to be old so there's no point thinking about it but now without the brain grape then she is actually going to probably grow old someday and you know that's a new experience is the uh, idea that that's going to happen yeah and you know it got me to thinking about her approach to it because on the one hand now that she knows she's not going to die young is it time for her to take some chances with her life now I guess you could say, look at it from the other side, that she knows she wasn't going to live long. I'm going to go ahead and take chances. What the heck? Right. But but that doesn't seem to be the way she approached things. So it'll be interesting if 
that knowledge that that really she throws out there in this episode becomes part of her persona moving forward uh, that maybe we will see her do some you know different things i mean unlike the stereotypical bespeckled spinster of yesteryear with a as a librarian i mean that's not not certainly that's not only what they are but it's certainly not who she is so I found that rather fascinating and and certainly something to watch if, you know, maybe not this season, uh, certainly next. Um, Sure. Yeah, there's a nice little line to throw out there. And one of those things you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't really think about that. You just look at that from that perspective, you know, so I like that. Yeah, because, I mean, I think we certainly see Jones and Stone much more willing to take chances, sometimes ill-advised, but chances nonetheless. So uh, now the other thing that was just, to me, hilarious it is Flynn Carson's fanboy obsession with <laughs> Darrington Dare. Now, yes, that was even funny. before we get into that, though, he's been in every episode this season, right, so far? Uh, I believe so, yeah. So I guess I didn't realize. Look, I'm not complaining, or am I? Um, <laughs> well, as much he's... As, well, it's the librarians, and I get it that there's right. four of them, but I, I guess... The more he's in, the less they're not. Yeah. And as as much as I love Noah Wiley and, and and the character of Flynn Carson, I have to say I love the other three a little bit more. Does that make me a bad person? <laughs> um, you know, that, that could be a controversial stand on that, Dave. You know, but uh, but no, I, I agree. Um, it's it's hard enough um, when you have just the. The th- well, actually, four. I'm kidding with uh, um, with Colonel Baird, but you throw Flynn in there. If Flynn, you know, as a character, does tend to, you know, kind of take over. You know, now this is actually two weeks in a row we've had kind of Flynn-centric episodes. Uh, you know, I guess I would kind of have to agree with you. Not that I don't like, like, like you said, not that we don't necessarily not want to see Flynn, but just you know, we'd like kind of maybe more screen time for the others who really have, especially this episode, have been relegated to that assistant role that uh, Darrington assumes that they are when he first meets them. Yeah, that's a great point. And you wonder whether the fact that they got two extra episodes for this season was in part due to the fact that Noah Wiley was going to be in more episodes. I mean, maybe not. I, I haven't read that anywhere, but it just occurred yeah, to me. Good possibility. Now, now, we learned that his obsession is born out of his newness as a librarian, the, the fact that he really didn't have any friends. He read about Dare's exploits. And uh, certainly he was a... You know, I mean, his name is perfect, Darrington Dare. I mean, yeah. It doesn't get any more perfect than that for the kind of character he is. And that connection to the 19th century hero is just so romantic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, who, who's the, the guy uh, from the, the, the movies, Richard Chamberlain played him, King Solomon's Mines. Oh, ah. uh, Quartermain. Yes, Alan Quartermain. Like, so the prototypical Edwardian hero, um, well, I guess maybe Victorian, actually. Uh, Victorian hero, uh, the, you know, Ray Ra, British Empire type, confident, 
know, like, again, like, he really kind of pushes his own views onto uh, Flynn, we see here, and his... He he is always like kind of like the one in charge, and I'm the one who knows what's going on, and do what I do, and come help me, and don't ignore them, and all this stuff is uh, you know we we see him being this like just like very supremely supremely confident individual who is you know maybe just a tad bossy and maybe a little bit unable until the very end to see someone else's point of view. And even there, though, once we get to the note, we're not sure. I mean, right? Does like, did Flynn he really him, learn? Right? Yeah. I mean, does Flynn put him on too high a pedestal? Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think that's why this episode is important, you know, for a lot of the things you just said. But it examines the fact that while being a librarian can be a lonely endeavor, you have to have friends, and and that's what I love about. Flynn's reaction in this. I mean, uh, Dare tells him, you know, when, when things are going awry, that the other three librarians are expendable. Don't worry about him, or right. uh, don't, don't worry about them. Help me. And then when we learn that whole conflict between Dare and Gethic, it, it's really not about saving the world. It's just personal. Yeah, it's just them against each other it's like they've got their own little private war going on right which okay fine i get but you you've raised it to this level of importance that it, it just simply doesn't deserve and the fact that flynn understands that i i just think is wonderful i, I just really you know yeah well it would be wonderful if it weren't if so here's uh the first thing of many that i did not really care for in this episode and that whole reducing the whole conflict between Darrington Dare and Gethic to a just, um, you know, a, a back, you know, a playground pissing match or something. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't down with that explanation. Well, I guess the, the, the reason I like that because it, it puts him, in contrast to the kind of man Flynn is. I mean, Flynn has read all of these exploits of Darrington Dare. And, and, and of course, you know, the whole thing about who writes the history books, well, the winners write the history books. So how much of what he read about Darrington Dare is actually true? Now, you could argue, well, it's the book of the librarian, uh, uh, the book of the library, so it's probably true. Whatever. As a young librarian, basically on his own, I mean, I know he's got Judson and Jenkins, but still, it's almost as if he was taken in by this man that, you know, was really larger than life and and didn't deserve to be larger than life. Well, I don't know if he doesn't deserve to be, but I mean, like, you're right. Actually, no, you're you're absolutely right. a guy who is pretty cool. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but uh, not the almost, I would dare say godlike status that, um, you know, Flynn had ascribed to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, one of the things he brings up is the fact of multiple librarians. And, and we know that the extra librarians was a reaction to the APEP situation. And I think Flynn even points that out, but I'm wondering, haven't there been, 
equally egregious villains throughout the years that could have used more than one librarian? And is the decision to keep more than one simply a sign of progress and an admission that there's more magic and evil in the world than ever before? I mean, it just seems to me to make sense and it makes sense to Flynn, but this 19th century sensibility that Darrington Dare comes with just doesn't allow him to see that. Right. And his just complete inability to understand Flynn's point of view. And then we think that Flynn has kind of convinced him and he leaves that note, which is like basically the biggest like dick move, like, you know, cause like, you know, Flynn can't argue with him or, you know, he just leaves him this note from the grave saying, tell me that you'll only make sure there's only one librarian. You know, Darrington is like putting all this load onto Flynn. It's just wrong of him to do that. He doesn't understand what they have. He, he like, he, he won't even be convinced. He won't even consider the idea that they have a team and they work as a team. Um, he's just utterly convinced that because these two brothers fell out all this time ago, that that means that certainly these librarians would similarly fall out and you know bring ignorance and darkness to the world once again. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole idea of rules, I mean, obviously you have to have rules. We know that. But, you know, this 19th century rigidity that rules are there for a purpose and you don't bend them. I think we understand that that what Flynn has done. Well, it's not even Flynn; it's the library chose them. So, right. yeah, I don't. That's one of those things. Well, how do you argue with that? If the library chose them, then this must be the new, uh, you know, way things are going to be done. So, I don't know. Now, the other thing, you know, that- it's, a, it's a new, you know, the the team concept. Yeah. That is the you know the corporate uh, model for the today's world, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is different than what ha- what it was like in the 19th century. Yeah. So deal with it, Darrington. Yeah. Now talking about dealing with Flynn has to deal with the fact that he knows the date of Dare's eventual death. In fact, he's going to die the day after he returns to his own time. And that question: Should Flynn warn him? He chooses not to, though the episode's ending gets around the problem, I don't know, rather neatly. I think you certainly could criticize it for the way they do that. uh, And I will. And you will. I mean, I don't think it cheats the plot totally, but I can, you know, I'll I'll listen to your argument. Well, I'll just, you know, like the whole time, it's like, oh, we can't change things. It's got to, you know, shake out like it did historically. And as Darrington, he's like, you know, just have a great part. You know, basically all but saying, don't be alone tomorrow. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah. Now, if we accept Dare's conviction that there should never be more than one librarian, it almost seems as if they're setting us up somewhere down the road, whether in season four or season five, some sort of struggle in the future among the four librarians and and maybe even more among the three younger ones. And 
it got mm-hmm. it got me to thinking, all right, well, who would prevail in such a fight? And then, first of all, to take it even a step further, well, of those three, which one would end up in a in a state of mind that he or she felt they were superior to the other two? That's a tough one. I don't I don't know. I mean. Yeah. I mean, Jones, yeah. maybe. Even, even Christian Kane wouldn't answer that question for you. So Right. Well, well, Jones, <laughs> I mean, he even says, you know, who, who, when asked about who his heroes are, well, let's see, after me. me after me. 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 <laughs> so, right. so you could see that, but it just doesn't seem to be in Jones' character. So I, I just wonder if they're setting something up for down the road. And, and you know, I think it certainly could make for some interesting storytelling. Uh, you know, well, we, I, I think they're clearly setting something up down the road there's you know no doubt at all that that somewhere down there there's going to be a um a conflict between maybe all four of the current librarians but certainly the the younger three over who should be and you can imagine it boiling down to um you know who's gonna actually forget it (laughs) i was about to say something like wait ah uh, no, all right. That hasn't happened yet. So, uh, uh, but but yeah, it, it, I mean, no doubt with uh, you know Darrington Dare's uh, focus on that issue certainly leads us to believe that that's going to be a a big deal later on. Right, and and he insists that Flynn fire the others, and uh, he's not Flynn's boss. Now, you you certainly mentioned a few minutes ago he does come across as terribly bossy and because flint is such a because flynn is such a fanboy he allows it to happen at least at the yeah, beginning he's just a big follower well he, yeah. yeah but but he finally gets his bearings flynn that is and, and you know really when he tells him you need to fire them flynn doesn't really answer him and then they all they're they're running after something i forget what what it is they're uh they're chasing after but but there were some great visuals i I love the introduction of darrington dare uh you know the three librarians are going into town and they see old people everywhere and then all of a sudden they see that that teenage girl and you know i forgot to look it up did you watch the show humans oh yeah she looked like the girl maddie from you know the teenage daughter that's the hacker yeah uh, i forgot to look it up but uh, i'll have to yeah, do that if I, I appreciate remember. it's not but I, uh, I don't think so you know they encounter those creatures with the uh burlap over their head and yeah. then the uh, next thing you know comes swinging in on a rope you mentioned alan quartermain that that whole kind of feel to it i'm the he says the librarian which right Flynn would not. He like yeah, you know, puts his arms akimbo like that, and right. And he's got the little buzzer. I don't even know what that thing is. Yeah, that he, makes the. Uh, yeah, he mentions it, but uh, we we learn that he's traveled through a time portal to chase his nemesis Ambrose Gethick, and immediately he starts making all these deductions about Eve, and uh, and I know you because you're a huge Sherlock Holmes fan as as mm-hmm. I am. And then, of course, later in the episode, he claims that Conan Doyle based Sherlock Holmes on him. Well, I mean, obviously, he is a fictional character, so that's uh, patently not true. But there is a guy that uh, Conan Doyle, at least in part, 
based Sherlock Holmes on, and that was one Joseph Bell, who was a Scottish surgeon. And uh, Arthur Conan Doyle had actually, um, like, I guess kind of interned uh, for him for a little bit. And But he was, you know, he could do that. He could look at a person and, you know, from observing what he, you know, he could break him down, like a la Sherlock Holmes and say, oh, where are you from? What your job is? You know, and, th- and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so there is a person who is, you know, at least, though, um, you know, apparently Bell at some point had written Conan Doyle back and said, well, you know, you are actually Co- uh, Sherlock Holmes. So, um, but uh, but by and large, this guy, uh, Joseph Bell, had a, an amazing career. He's a pretty amazing guy. So, But a surgeon, not, okay. a, not a crime fighter. Okay. Now, w- one of the things I meant to mention before, but, but when it's clear that Flynn is just starstruck, awestruck by Darrington Dare, did you notice the expression on the other librarian's face, especially Cassandra? She just has this yeah. disgusted look on her face, like just shaking her head that and i'm not sure what that's all about i mean is it is it kind of a a a show of support for flynn that no you're the librarian and i mean okay we get it he's the librarian in his time in the 1880s and uh right through through the uh, wonders of time travel we can have two librarians in the same timeline at the same time but uh Yeah, we, we, we certainly see a lot of eye-rolling on Cassandra's part, but uh, I think it's just because Flynn is acting so over-the-top uh, goofy as this little, you know, fanboy. He, you know, he actually asks for uh, Dare's autograph. Yeah, um, I never do so, that, he says. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of like, I mean, it just adds to the, the basic comedy of the situation that um, you know, especially Cassandra playing kind of the the straight man who is able to react and at a distance to see the frivolities of how uh, you know the um, how Flynn is acting. Okay, now you said you've seen it three times. I saw it twice because one of the things that I'm I'm a little fuzzy on. I mean, Dare says that Gethic is his darker side, and and, and of course refers to him as a wizard. And, you know, usually when we talk about, you know, the the darker side that, uh, you know, he does the things that I only, you know, think about doing, but I don't do. And I I don't think it's anything like that. But the magic artifact in question is this bleeding crown, which belonged to a vampire queen. I mean, is there anything really to that other than that's visually something that's cool for him to put on his head? you know, jack into the librarian's energy sources. And uh, is that it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't look up to see whether the bleeding crown was an actual thing. Um, <clears throat> I should have, but uh, I didn't. So, Hey, it was just, it just got so goofy and complex. And like, I'm like, but like, why? And what? And why like why why does they have to do that like like how come it it works when it's plugged in they unplugs it still works and it was it like just all it just like the whole that whole scene there that that big you know climactic fight scene even after watching it three times i still like basically have 
no clue what's going on. I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening. Why this? Why why does he need the 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 librarian's power? Why is it? Well, why does it not work when Jenkins gets it? Like why? It just it's just so. Well, I think I understand I think, that. I mean, it's like Dare. He's got. I get, but it's just. I mean, he's got the tattoos yeah. on his arm that are apparently some sort of a shield, so that th- this is something that Gethic has has put together that will enable him to defeat this librarian. How better to defeat a librarian than with an abundance of librarian energy? So he's got you know the three librarians, I guess plus Eve. Uh, in those little chambers he's got the cables hooked up and they're jacked into that crown so on the one hand it's kind of i don't know kind of lame but on the other hand it's kind of cool uh he pulls the cable out ah see i'm operating wirelessly he says at one point i'm like okay i guess but i I just feel like you know we like know the serpent brotherhood uh kills darrington dare i feel like they didn't do it by this elaborate setup where they drain four different librarians or three librarians and and their uh their guardian you know it's just it's just so uh it's just well, i just i just couldn't i just i just couldn't like it was it was too much i think okay well, and again just my opinion i just felt that it was just like they had just gone too far and thrown in too many crazy things that it it just lost the narrative thread and it didn't make any kind of logical sense anymore. Okay. Well, the other interesting thing is that Galahad knows him and he knows Galahad. So obviously Jenkins was around at that time. You wonder, we don't really hear what Jenkins thought of him as the librarian at that time. I mean, certainly he sides with uh, Flynn and and, you know you mentioned you didn't get what what his role was I guess because he's immortal because he's got so much librarian energy he could overload the whole system no well no I mean I I got that I understood it I just thought it was ridiculous I guess like the whole thing like because they're just grabbing things from out of like you want some kind of narrative setup to things and there was just no setup like all of a sudden the the librarians are in deadly danger Flynn goes back to the library gets Jenkins who hops into a chamber himself and that's like the solution like yo know, it was uh, you know I, I'm I'm sorry I I I just I you know, like I said I think they just made it way more complicated than it had to be, and it just got to the point where, it, it like I said, the worst thing that can happen in a TV show or movie or play or anything that's like fictional is for you to realize you're watching a TV show, play or movie, and that and you don't buy it. And, and my my belief, my I'm sorry, my disbelief, my suspension, my disbelief ended. Okay, I, I couldn't swallow it anymore i couldn't take it anymore it just was too much too complicated too convoluted too ridiculous of an idea i think what if they could just simplified the conflict and simplified the danger and simplified the rescue it would have been a much smoother episode instead of trying to throw all these weird plot devices in that just to me didn't really work out Okay. Um, 
And I see what you're saying. I mean, you, you know, we've certainly got time travel. We've got, you know, as we said, the the nod to Star Wars with the lightsaber fight. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, again, the whole concept of immortality. In fact, we get to, to the end there and Dare, whether he realizes it or not, is saved by Flynn's team. And you would think that he learns the lesson about the value of friendship and success through teamwork, as you mentioned uh, a bit ago on the podcast. But then we get to the end, you know, Jenkins sends Dare back through the portal. And, and I love he points out that this is a one-way, one-time-only trip, which I suspect is not true. It's just that Jenkins right. didn't want him back. But Flynn knows... Yeah, he's a bit much. Yeah, he, he, that he's going to die the next day. And then suddenly they read Dare's bio and history changes to reflect his changed outlook as a result of his experiences in 2017. But then he leaves that note. So uh, I I don't know. It it seems like that's the idea that the reason he lived to be 101 was because he did change his outlook. But then I guess we could argue that he wrote the note before he changed his outlook. You know? But yeah, but he still, I, I don't think he did because he could have taken that note out whenever, right? Well, I, I, and the note, I think, basically said that, okay, I, I see your point about friends, but you know what? You still have to fire the rest of your friends. Sorry, dude. Well, see, now we're getting into the, the But I thought it was just crap. Well, okay. And, and now it's part of the problem with time travel. It's like, when did he leave this note? I, I guess I felt like he left the note before he went back through the portal, which means he didn't have a chance to live uh, out his life and process everything he'd seen. Oh, but, good point. So, um, ah, yeah, that's probably what happened. All right. Well, but so not ne- back off but there, no, there. but not necessarily because the 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 book that Flynn finds it in is the the book of the library, right? Where he read about right. the exploits of Daring to Dare. So that book has been around for a while now was, was dare alive when the you know when that part of the book was written i don't you know so what i'm getting at is he could have put it in at some point before his death as well sure and flynn just right. found it now which right. seems which is unlikely. what i assume but you're yeah but it seems unlikely that flynn would never have found it before you know since he's exactly. so right you know because he so he's, yeah, he's so familiar with the text, right? So, 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 yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is yeah, which what I was wondering about. So, I think what you're saying is 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 what happened is that he snuck the note in there before he got sent back in time, and yeah. before maybe you know he had a chance to ha- have his point of view changed about multiple librarians. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, you know, I mean, I going with an A minus, and I don't know if there's anything else you want to bring up that we haven't talked about yet. Um, not really. I like. I mean, I feel bad. Yeah, I, don't don't feel bad because I, I I do. I don't like like that. It's and I won't say that I didn't enjoy because I still absolutely enjoyed it. There were so many good parts to it, um, but it just got to that last part. I just thought it was just too crazy. I've already talked about it. I'm not going to go into more detail about it because there's probably loads of people who disagree with me. And so I don't want them getting mad. So 
Um, you know, I just, I didn't, this one, me, not so much. Um, I'll give it a C plus, I think. Okay. Um, you know, but, uh, but there, but there, you know, but like I said, to temper that with, it's, it's not completely irredeemable. There's so many good things. I mean, just the one thing is like when Flynn is just sitting there with like his head in both his hands and his elbows up on the bars, he just stares at, at Dare and the look on his face was just, it was priceless. I mean, that was hilarious. So, yeah, and, and I love when they're, stuff mi- they're mixing each other drinks, and Dare claims the one that Flynn mixed for him was delicious. And then when <laughs> Flynn drinks the one Dare mixes for him, he spits it out. So, yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. It's. it's I also uh, feel like this this episode is is not popular with the AARP. Because <laughs> it doesn't necessarily portray our uh, seniors, and, and they've—I guess there's a lot of stereotypes here. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, that might not be uh, be you know great, yeah. but anyway, yeah. And, and this doesn't happen often that that you and I, with our letter grades, uh, you know, are this far apart. So you know, that's cool. It ha- sure. happens once in a while. So every now and then, yeah. So you know, no, it's, it's fine. We'll work through it. All right, well, we'll leave it there, and uh, you know, we'll maybe talk a little bit about the end of altered carbon, and uh, you know, maybe not in too much detail, but uh, we'll see how we we like the ending, and you know, maybe by next week we'll find out whether or not there is a season two, either in the works or they'd like to do it if they get the renewal or you know whatever the story might be. So, all right. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about anything in the genre world, obviously the librarians in particular. If you still have anything to say about Travelers, we'd love to hear that as well. Join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about Season 4, Episode 6 of The Librarians, titled The Librarians and the Grave of Time. But until then... You know, now I know what to say. The next time in the bar, and the bartender's a little slow get to me, I'll just yell, Get Zooks! Must I die of thirst in this alehouse? <laughs>